So today we're going to jump in and uh, really excited to get into this. I have three little points inside a sermon that I think can really help us think in a different way. I think if we look at these, I think we'll all find ourselves in these stories. And uh, I believe if we submit our lives unto God and what he's trying to show us in this, I think you can have an immediate impact. I think we can hear these things, submit to God's word, his way, say, God, use me. I want to I be different. And then right away, feel the impact of that. Amen. Genesis chapter 25, verse 29, Genesis 25, 29, it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau, his brother, came in from the field, and he was weary. I'm excited that that part was put in there. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me that red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom which if you study that out, there's a whole bunch of meaning in there. We won't get into that today, but I love the symbolic meaning of all of that. Uh, But verse 31, but Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright as of this day. First thing you do is sell me your birthright. Now, this soup or this stew that we're talking about, it literally was their day ramen noodles, He didn't come in and smell prime rib. He didn't come in and get a whiff of it. Like he just came in weary and was willing to take the, I mean, it was SpaghettiOs, right? He gave it all up for lentil stew. I mean, it wasn't anything. He, He compromised everything for the least of this. Are you with me? What I love about this text here is it says, but first sell me your birthright. What we see in this is that what Esau did was he put something else first in his life. Are you tracking with me? God says, put first the kingdom, put me first, and everything else gets added unto you. What happened to Esau? He put first something else and everything got lost in his life. When we put something else in front of our calling, our destiny, the birthright, the thing that God has for us, when we prioritize anything else in front of that, you lose everything. Because God has great plans for you, and we love that bumper sticker, and we love that writing on the wall for Jeremiah, for I know God's got great plans for me and a future and a hope and all this kind of stuff, but we got to believe it and live it in a way that it's put first. So he says, hey, first thing you do is sell me your birthright, put that first, and then you can have it. And so what we see is that he lost everything because he put something else in front of his birthright or his destiny. The other thing I noticed from this is the enemy always steals from you when you're weary. Says that he came in from a place weary, meaning he wasn't built up in his destiny. He wasn't built up in his assignment. He wasn't built up in what God had for him. And how do we get weary? It's because we're not prayed up. We're not worshiped up. We're not, you know, gathering with our brother and sister. We haven't built up our lives in a way. Are you with me? And so he lost it because he didn't manage his life in a way that, again, stewarded his life that put God first, made sure he was protected. Do you know that there's no sin in eating stew? We're not even talking about a sin, right? We love to say, well, he got off track because this great sin and this great thing and this whatever. Now, obviously, we can go deep and talk about giving up your birthright and all that. But what happened here was dude just wanted to eat. wasn't a sin. But he forfeited everything because of the way that he prioritized his life. 
It wasn't his calling and his destiny first. It wasn't God and what God has for him first. It was, hey, I want temporary satisfaction based on what's currently around me. Good thing we don't do that nowadays, right? Good thing we don't ever compromise and give up our birthright and our calling and our destiny and, and put God last just for some temporary things around us. I'm glad it's not that way today. Amen? So we got to put God first. And we got to guard ourselves from weariness. We got to be prayed up, worshiped up, all those kinds of things. Why? Because the enemy knows the best place to try to make you a deal. He knows where to find you. He knows how to get it to you. And so he shows up when you come from the field and you're tired and you're not prayed up. And he says, hey, now it's time to pitch them the deal. And they gave up, he gave up everything for the least. Are you with me? What's interesting about his life is this family, you know, again, this is the early part of mankind. And uh, it's in Genesis. It's some of the first family. And so at this time, they're literally populating and establishing earth. And so the idea of their lineage and their family, and they also lived, you know, what we would call a tribe or a people group. Essentially, they were just one large family subdivision. And so when somebody compromised or when somebody brought shame to that tribe, it was, it was a huge deal. But the blessing side of it was your birthright meant double portion of everything that your father established. Like there was so much on the other side that if he stewarded it and lived the way that he was supposed to, the birthright was going to be miraculous. For him, it would have been like a prince, uh, but he traded everything for a momentary craving. And I thought about that's what we do now. God calls. Now, first of all, I want to say this. All of us are called, first of all, to obedience of scripture. So when God says, go reach your neighbor, you're called to evangelism. You're an evangelist. When God says, go pray for the sick, you're a person who prays for the sick. You walk in healing. Are you with me? So when I say, oh, your calling or your destiny or your thing, I'm not just talking about a pastor or somebody in ministry. I'm talking about all of us. And so nowadays, you know, you're called to something. God's equipped you in something. You have all of this that you're walking in. I thought about how we forfeit all of the blessing and all of the birthright and all of the promise because we want to protect our time or we're worried about what kind of energy it might take, or we say, uh, you know, I'm just not that passionate about that, and so I don't want to be obedient in it because I've let myself get weary. And so we forfeit all of this for very natural causes. Are you with me? So I love how God keeps showing up in people's lives. Uh, when, I, when we planted this church, my mindset was to be ready to spend most of my energy fighting devils. Like, we're gonna, like, the devil's gonna hate us and, and it's gonna be spiritual and we gotta watch out. And the hardest work is gonna be like the demons that are gonna get us. Now, obviously, I'm somewhat exaggerating just because I don't wanna make people scared. <laughs> um, but I'm just ready to do warfare and heavenly places and all that stuff is true. But I've actually found that most of my energy and most of my work as a pastor leading a church that's planted is just wrestling with people, trying to convince them that they can have all that God says they can have. It's insane that I'm just like, hey, if you trust him, if you believe that he says it and he wants it to be a part of your life, it's like people are more of my problem. None of you, mostly second service. <laughs> 
But I also find myself reading scripture going, man, God deals with this same stuff again and again. People who are going, I got all of this that God said I can have, and it's my birthright, and it's my destiny, and it's my purpose, and I got all of this, but I still keep choosing this because I've let myself get weary, and I've let myself uh, you know, put my guard down, and I want temporary satisfaction over this. I mean, there's this basketball player, Allen Iverson. He doesn't play in the league anymore, and he was really, really great. And uh, he's got this great soundbite, which you could look up. There's two things you should look up. Uh, one is uh, he does this great move on Michael Jordan, breaks his ankles, basically, just does his crossover, puts Jordan on the floor. And some people think Jordan's good, but he just, so look that one up. The other one is they ask him at a press conference about practice, this thing that happened in their practice. And Allen Iverson sits at the podium and he's like, man, he's like, we're talking about practice. He's like, practice? And he keeps going on about like how ridiculous this is that we're talking about practice. And it's legendary. It's so good. And, it, and I just wonder if God looks at our life and goes, bean stew? I mean, you gave up for bean stew? I mean, looking down at us like, I mean, really? You could have had this, but you chose this? Because somebody pressured you or because you thought it looked more fun or you thought it was this, bean stew, lentil stew, come on. And I wonder if that's just, and so when I read through scripture, God calls somebody to something great and mighty and they say, well, I got this. And God's like, this? You're choosing not to go with me because this? And I see it all the time. We all make that decision. God says you're able and you're capable and you can do it. And we go, well, but God, practice, right? I see it all throughout scripture, Exodus chapter three, verse 10. He comes to Moses and he says, come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Holy cow, God has come to a guy and been like, will you deliver my people? There's really nothing better than this. Like, hey, like, will you come be my this? Will you come? No, like, will you save my people? Come save my people. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring out the children of Israel out of Egypt? If you skip a chapter in Exodus 4.10, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before or since you have spoken to me, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And he offers up all of these practice excuses. I see God as a pretty strategic God. Like when you talk about creating everything, earth, human, everything that's put together to make it all work, plus the redemption of sending his best, I think God has the capability of thinking through a few things. So I don't think that God was like, hey, Moses, will you do this? And Moses is like, I'm not that eloquent. He's like, oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> of course he knew. And you laugh at that, but you know when God comes to you and it's like, hey, I want you to do this, and you go, oh, now you laugh at Moses, but we do it, right? God knows what he was getting into, and he knows what he's getting into with you. So why are you talking to him about practice? Why are we talking about soup, right? Go with them, be obedient. And so this, this, you, it's just such a great call. Go save my people. Go lead my people. And our responses should be, of course, Lord. 
You're all knowing. You're all capable. I'll go with you. I'm not going to say no to you so that I can defend soup, stew, whatever it is, spaghetti-o, ramen noodle, whatever it is. Same thing with Gideon, and, and I'll just reiterate how all throughout Scripture we continue to see this. Gideon, the Midianites have, have taken over, and he's going to defend and, and take back territory. In Judges chapter 6, verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. So Gideon, who we all know, he said, I'm the least of these, and, he, and he's hiding and all this kind of stuff. God shows up to him, an angel shows up, God shows up and says, hey, listen, Go, like go, and he says, in the might of yours, because God is very strategic and understands the condition that Gideon was in. God understands the condition that you're in. And when he shows up to you and says, hey, in the might that you're in, like you're capable, go, because I'm going to be with you. Don't argue for like the soup that you need to keep in the practice. Like, no, you're, you're good. Let's go do it. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. I have I not sent you. Like, isn't this on me is what he's saying. And then in verse 15, so he said to them, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest and I am the least in my father's house. And we can all relate to this. Gideon saying, how is it me? I'm the loser. Like I'm the loser in all of this. And my tribe is the least of the tribes. Like this is just God, your calculations are off. It's not me. And so he's saying, it's not me, but God came and said, it is you because God said, I'm going to be with you. And like, I've already calculated all of this. You can do it. Don't give me a reason and don't sell out what I have for you because your excuse of not being good enough, because our excuses can be our stew. God, I'm choosing this excuse of my stew over following you. I make up this thing and I'm going to choose this over that and we just make up an excuse stew. Are you with me? And a lot of us do that. Gideon, I'm a loser. My family wasn't good enough, and I wasn't raised right, and I don't have this put together, and I don't know this, and I don't know that, and so we, we say our family or our past, or we don't have this, and we make up all these stews that we choose over being obedient to God. Are you with me? In verse 16, the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man, meaning like we're going to do this. I'm with you. It can happen. If you choose your birthright and your destiny and your calling and you go with God, it will work. But when you choose stew, you lose it all. Amen. I love Jeremiah. It comes to the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah. In chapter 1, verse 4, he says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Sovereign Lord, he replies, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. So this huge setup of like literally telling him, like maybe this time he tried it different. All right, if I go in there and let him know that I have all the information because I formed him, I knew him from the beginning, maybe this one won't give me an excuse. <laughs> like if I show him I have the data on him, maybe this one won't give me an excuse. So he comes in, lays it off, I've known you from the beginning, I know everything about you. Formed you, put you together so that you can just, he comes back with the like, my youth. I can't do it because of this. And he creates this reason of why he can't do it. And my prayer and the prayer here is don't like, you know, don't choose the stew over what God has. And so God keeps in the conversation. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everywhere that I send you and say whatever I commanded you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you, rescue you, declares the Lord. And the Lord reached out his hand. He touched my mouth and said to me, which is the same thing God says to you. 
I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and plant. God says the same thing to you. You might just say, I'm too old. I'm too young. I have too much history. I have too much baggage. I don't have enough confidence. I don't know how to say. And God is saying, listen, I'll put my words in your mouth. You go with me. I'll rescue all these things. Don't choose stew over it. Amen? Because he's with you. When we're obedient to him, he always goes with us. But what he doesn't want is for us to say, no, it's more important that I choose the stew than the birthright. I'll close with this. Uh, Jesus is dealing with the Jewish people, which at this time, the Jewish people, uh, they, they really believe, and in, in there's truth in this, uh, that they're called. They're, they, as a people, are called to be a light. The way that they live is literally to show the world what God is like. So they have so much teaching and understanding and knowledge of, of Scripture and Torah and all this kind of stuff that they believe that their life example is to show the world what God is like. And so they're uh, in this place in Matthew chapter 23 uh, where they're not doing a very good job of this. And Jesus comes in frustrated, and there's all these different things that he's saying about religious leaders and all these different kinds of things. And what I love in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, is he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as hens and her chicks under their wings, but you were not willing. You just, you just weren't reading the big picture. I just wonder if even God says that about us too. Oh, you guys, so many times I desire to gather you in to this great thing that I have, put you under my wing, but with all of your excuses and all of your stews, you just aren't willing. You aren't willing to sell out to it. You aren't willing to go all in on it. And God is like, I want you under my wing. Why does he want you under the wing? Because he wants you close. He wants you near. He wants you under his protection, his provision. We sometimes see that as a control thing, like, oh, God wants to control us and, and, and that kind of, no, it's like he wants you in the family so that you can enjoy all that he has to give you. Amen? We were made for so much more than the bean soup. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. Here's how we live it out. Then he said to all of them, if anyone desires to come after me or do all that God has for you, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We all know what this means. But it means this, if we think about it in a broke down term, when God's calling you and choosing you and nudging you and pushing you, and it's that thing that you know you need to be more obedient in or you need to respond better in or you need to trust him and follow him in. When you get to that point of like, oh, do I do that and walk out on the water with him? Or do I choose the soup? God is saying, deny yourself of the easy thing. When you're weary and the quick sellout, deny that. Take up your cross of sacrifice, sacrifice, and go all in with him. Follow him, go with him. Are you with me? Because whenever we choose the soup or the sellout or the easy way or the way God didn't call it and speak it to us, when we choose that compromise, you lose, right? But when you hold to it and you stay built up in him and following him and you don't let yourself get weary and you keep him first, then your double portion blessing that he was in line for. 
when you're pressured this week to make a compromise, you know you should do this, you know you should say that, you know you should go this way, pull the Allen Iverson on yourself and say, soup? I'm thinking about compromising for soup, SpaghettiOs? <laughs> Some, I used to like SpaghettiOs until my wife take them, took them away. We got married. <laughs> And then I would put them in the cart and they would never make it home. I would say, where's my SpaghettiOs? I actually went high class with meatballs. So if you guys love your pastor, you can drop them off in the office during the week. Just not on Wednesday because she's here. <laughs> but this week, you go, this week you go, soup? Of course not. It's ridiculous. Of course not. I'm not going to give up this for this. And the scripture actually says, and I don't remember if I read it or put it in or not, but it said, since that day, therefore, he despised his birthright. Meaning what took place after that in the tribe, in the family, he had bitterness towards it and despised it. And that can happen in our life. We choose it not and we compromise and then bitterness sets in because we look at that and go, that was supposed to be for me. And I gave it up and now I'm bitter. Don't let that get in you. Be, be, be somebody who's, okay, God, I'm always choosing your best, my birthright. I'm not giving up this for this, amen?